So, um, inshallah, we hope to finish this hadith today uh, where we have been discussing for the past two sessions. This is now, the, I believe, the third session on this hadith. It is a very long hadith in which um, we will be having to move, we will have to move forward rather than recapping uh, and then we'll be stuck in the same place. If you don't want to do that, we want to move ahead, inshallah. Uh, but just a very uh, superficial review uh, where we are is that this is the hadith of Rasulullah pertaining to when the Prophet ﷺ sent letters of invitation and da'wah to the different kings after uh, the Sulah of Hudaybiyah took place and this is when a letter uh, was sent by Dihya al-Kalbi the very beautiful Sahabi uh, the one that Jibreel ﷺ comes in his shape and he brings a letter to the governor of Busra who then forwards it to Hiraqal who is the Caesar meaning the he has the title of Qaisar he's the Eastern Roman Emperor and when he received the letter, then to investigate more about the matter, he sends out messengers to find out, is there anyone in Syria at that time? He is now in not Syria, not Syria of today, but Bilad al-Sham. Sham, and in particular, he was in the city of Baytul Maqdis, Jerusalem. The reason he was in Jerusalem was he was fulfilling his vow that he made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that if Allah grants him victory over his enemies, the Persians, then he will make a pilgrimage, walking, bare feet from his capital in the Syrian, in the Bilad al-Sham, which was in, um, in Hims. From there, he walked all the way to Bayt al-Maqdis and he was performing his pilgrimage. So he asked, are there any Arabs around? They found Abu Sufyan, who was the leader of the Quraysh opposition at that point, later became a Sahabi. He brought him and his companions and he asked them 11 questions. And we had finished the 11 questions last time. And they were very interesting questions, very deep questions. Uh, where he was uh, learning about Rasulullah investigating about him. So, after he finished the 11 questions and he got the answers, and he had asked Abu Sufyan to stand in front and the people, the rest of his uh, companions to stand in the line behind him. And he said that if he lies, then you need to identify that he is lying. Um, so now, subhanAllah, after he finished, we are now, subhanAllah, at that point where he goes back and he explains why he asked the questions that he did. So, Hiraqal, he will go back and now explain. You know, I asked you this question, this is why I asked you. I asked you this question, number two, number three, number four, why did I ask you these questions? So the explanation is given by Hiraqal himself. This is similar to Khidr salam and Musa salam. At the end of the story, then Khidr salam goes back and he explains what he did, why he did. So, um, those who are joining us missed the last sessions. Also, you may be able to pick it up from here because when he's explaining uh, why he asked the question, inadvertently, I mean, inescapable, we have to repeat the question. So you will get it as well. Um, then at this point, Hiraqal, he said to the translator who was communicating with the Arabs, with Abu Sufyan in particular, and the rest of the caravan of the merchants. Tell him, one question I had asked you about his nasab, about his lineage. Um, I had asked you about his lineage. 
You had mentioned to me that he has a very great lineage and he is known for his family being nobles and honored, honorable people. So that's what the answer you gave. The Nasab bin Distanwinith for the Adim means great Nasab. He has a great lineage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes uses this type of tanween and double haraka in the Quran, where it means that there's a word azim hidden there. Like Allah Ta'ala says, Rijalun, la tulihim tijaratun wala bi'un and the kirillah means Rijalun Azimun, great people. So here Dhu Nasabin, he has a great lineage. Fakadalika Rusul, likewise are all the prophets. Tuba'athu fi nasabin nasabi qawmiya. They are sent and selected by Allah in the higher respectable families. So I, when we had covered the question, I had already given a few comments on this. We spoke about marriage, we spoke about um, importance of lineage, how important it is, but also not to take it past the limits. So one simple way you can break it down is that if you have religious parents, grandparents, if your father or grandfather or grandmother was very, very, very pious, uh, will that help you or will not help you? And if it does help you, how much will it help you? So a very simple objective way of measuring it is that uh, if a person does not deserve to enter into Jannah on his own, then all the religious family members can be of no help, will be of no avail. Because No one will have to the credit except for the good deeds they sent forth themselves. So that means that um, the fact that Kanaan, his father, was Nuh will not help him. The fact for other that his son is Ibrahim Khalilullah will not help him. The fact Imrat Nuh, her husband, is Nuh will not help her. The fact that uh, Firon says, my wife was Asiya, that will not help him. Right? So all of these core family relations have been mentioned in the Quran. So you have to have your own iman to enter into Jannah. However, once a person enters into Jannah based on their own iman, then having religious family members will help. How so? It'll help in upgrading. Right? So you have to have your own ticket to enter Jannah. But if you have your own ticket, then if you have a religious, righteous, pious, God-fearing, muttaqi, a family member, that can help you. Not at the first level, but at the second level. Second level of upgrade. You can get upgraded. So you like, for example, if you're flying, you have to buy your own ticket, but if you have a family member who works in the airline, they may be able to upgrade you, right? From econo economy class to business class to first class. So how do we know about the upgrade? Who said there's an upgrade? Allah said. Where He said? In the Quran. Where in the Quran? In Surah Tur. Allah Ta'ala said, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And those who are believers, وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِيمَانِ See, their children who follow after them, they also have iman. It's not without iman. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he told Fatima anha herself, you know, mashallah, she had great actions. She had, I mean, so great that the Prophet ﷺ said, Sayyidatun Nisa'i, Ahlul Jannah, Queen of the Women of Jannah. Not because she had been to Muhammad ﷺ, but because of her a'mal. So he told Fatima anha herself that Ya Fatima, O Fatima, in qadhi nafsaki min nar save yourself from the fire of Jahannam. La anju anki min adabillahi shayya. I cannot come to your aid and protect you from the fire of Jahannam. Now he's telling his own daughter, who can be closer to Rasulullah than Fatima bin Muhammad? Anyone who is Sayyid today, min ali Rasul, or Hassani, or 
Husseini from the family of Hassan ibn Ali or Hussein ibn Ali. And Hassan and Hussein, till there is paternal lineage, and from there it turns into maternal because Rasulullah did he have any male children that reached maturity? No. Abu Qasim Qasim was died in infancy. Then Tayyib bin Tahir, Abdullah, two laqabs, they died. Then Ibrahim died. Muhammad is not the father of any men amongst you, but that does not detract from his greatness. He is the Rasul of Allah and the seal of the Prophets. So the lineage of Rasulullah goes through Hassan and Hussein. And Hassan and Hussein are the sons of, of course, Ali and Fatima. So Fatima anha is the fountainhead, the mother of all the Sayyids. And Nabi is directly telling her that. Ya Fatima in Qadhi nafsikiminar, O Fatima, save yourself from the fire. I cannot help you. Do not rely on me. Allahu Akbar. So the ayat goes on to say, Walladina Amanu, those who believe, Wataba'atum Duriyatum bi iman, and then their progeny also have iman. Now they have their iman, so they got the ticket to enter Jannah. Now they get upgraded. Al Haqla bihim Duriyatahum. We will allow the children to join their parents. So remaining in the company of family members is one of the unique blessings that has specifically been highlighted in the Quran. Now when they're going to be joined together, there are a couple of logical scenarios. One is that, okay, just as they'll be together, so the one at the higher rank could come down to the lower one. They're together in the lower level. Or it could be that you average it out, they both meet in the middle. Or the lower one is, uh, it will be upgraded to the higher one. So which one will it be? Lower will be upgraded. How do we know that? Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا مِنْ عَمَلِهِمْ مِنْ No one will receive any rank less than that which they deserve. So, if you bring the higher one down, that, that's not a possibility because Allah Ta'ala says no one will be demoted. And if you bring them halfway in the middle, that's also demotion. But rather it will be promotion. كُلُّمْ رِئِمْ بِمَا Everyone will receive that which they deserve. SubhanAllah. So entrance into Jannah, is through one's own iman. Upgrading Jannah is through having righteous family members. Now if you say, how, come, how is that fair? Well, that's a blessing from Allah. Allah gives somebody righteous family. Allah Ta'ala gives somebody other type of family. That's the fadl of Allah. We cannot object, well, why you gave him that? You know, like the rich and the poor were competing. The poor said, the rich, Ya Rasulullah, what are they competing about? They have so much money? No. They have so many opportunities for thawab. They give sadaqah, they feed the hungry, they finance the mujahideen. We cannot do anything, we don't have money. Rasulullah told them, okay, after every salah start, tasbih fatimi, which we know as tasbih fatimi, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha, Allahu Akbar, 33, 33, 34 times. So they started doing that, but then the rich, they were different from the rich of today. They found out about it, what's going on? Oh, you got a secret recipe? So let, let us start it. So they started it. Then the poor came back to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, they're doing all the financial ibadat. Now they're competing with us in dhikr as well. What can we do? So Rasulullah We cannot object if that Allah gives somebody something, gives somebody something else. That's the blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gave the wealth and he gave the tawfiq of how to spend, spend the wealth. Anyway, so this is the family. So the family will help. If they're righteous family. And the Nabi is the Muqtada, the one that people will follow. And there should be no excuse for the people that, oh, he's from a low family, so we don't want to follow him. So that excuse is also removed by the, all the Anbiya are Kadalika Rasul. Likewise, all the Prophets, they are always sent by Allah Ta'ala in respectable families.
Then he says, okay, now he's giving his own commentary. We don't even need the commentary of the commentators, the sharah of the shariheen. He does his own sharah, commentates. He says, وَسَأَلْتُكَ I had asked you, هَلْ قَالَ أَحَدُ مِنْكُمْ هَذَا الْقَوْلِ Did anyone prior to him say this, make the similar claim? From the time of Isa uh, salam, who gave the Bashara and glad tidings, approximately six centuries, he said, وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولِ يَاتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ إِسْمُهُ Ahmad. I come with the glad tidings, there will be a Nabi after me, his name is Ahmad So his name is Ahmad and Muhammad, they both come from Hamad to praise. So, subhanAllah, um, there are a lot of words that come from Hamad. Like in Nahwa we learned that Hamidu Hamdan Hamidan wa Hamida Ri'ayatu Shukri Dahram Madida. Right, so Hamd, there's Hamd, Hamid, Mahmud, Ahmad, Muhammad, all this stuff is happening. Ahmad and Hamd, Muhammad, both are superlative. But one is from the perspective of the subject, one is perspective of the object. Meaning, uh, both have the meaning of most praise. But one is uh, the one who praises Allah the most, he is Ahmad. And one is the, uh, from the creation, the one who is praised the most, that is Muhammad So the subject is the one who is the doer of the verb and The object is the one that is Receiving the action of the verb So who is the one praising Allah the most? Ahmad He's the subject And who is the one who is receiving the praise the most? Everyone is praising him It's Muhammad From the creation From the creation We have to add that Otherwise The one who is praised the most is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen All praise belong to Allah Lord of the worlds so when he gave the Bashara, after he gave the Bashara, nobody claimed prophethood. So Nabi ﷺ was not a copycat. He was not copying anybody. You said, no one has claimed this prophethood before. It's a brand new thing. We never heard that. You came to warn such people that their forefathers had not been warned for centuries. Uh, right? This, this ayah if is familiar to you. Is right in the beginning of Surah to you? Yaseen, Yaseen, Al Quran, Al Hakim, Inna Kalamin Al Mursaleen. Verily, you are amongst the messengers. You came to warn the people whose forefathers had not been warned. No messenger had come. As far as Isa alayhi salam, that's for Bani Israel. From the Bani Ismail side, nobody had come from the time of Ismail. Ismail bin Ibrahim was the last prophet around, and that's it. No prophet all the way to Rasulullah. So he's not copying anyone. Then he says, فَقُلْتُ I told I said to myself, I thought to myself, لَوْ كَانَ أَحَدٌ قَالَ هَذَا الْقَوْلَ قَبْلَهُ لَقُلْتُ رَجُلٌ يَأْتَسِي بِقَوْلِ قِيلَ قَبْلَهُ بِقَوْلٍ قِيلَ قَبْلَهُ So I said to myself, there's two قُلْتُ here, this فَقُلْتُ and there's another لَقُلْتُ The first فَقُلْتُ is in my heart. So I thought to myself in my heart, and the second لَقُلْتُ is with the tongue, speaking with the tongue. He said, I thought to myself, that if anyone had uh, made such a claim before, so this is something that happens in, the, in these people, then I would have said, oh, this is a man who was just following the previous man's statement. Okay? Then next question, وَسَأَلْتُكَ And I asked you, هَلْ كَانَ مِنْ آبَائِهِ مِنْ مَلِكٍ From his forefathers, are there any kings? وَذَكَرْتَ Allah, You said there, no. Why was this important? Qultu, I said, فَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ مِنْ مَلِكٍ If from his forefathers there had been a king, Qultu, then I would have thought, رَجُلٌ يَطْلُبُ مُلْكَ أَبِيهِ There's a man who is seeking to regain the power and the kingdom of his forefathers that has been lost. So, he mentioned two things. One is spiritual, uh, moral 
power, he's trying to copy someone who claimed to be a prophet. And second is physical, material power and glory. And that is the glory of the, of the king. All right. Um, Okay. Then he said, "Wasaltuka hal kuntum tattahimunahu bil kathib." Then I had asked you, uh, "Did did you uh, ever accuse him of lying?" We talked about this question last time. He didn't ask that. Is he known to be a liar? Has he lied? But he rather he asked, "Did you ever even accuse him of lying?" So he said, did you ever even accuse him? Has he been accused? Remember the story of Imam Bukhari? He threw away the money in the ship because he didn't want to even have the accusation of being a thief. So he said, So you mentioned, no. He has never been accused by anyone else as a liar. So um, the fact that, how does this relate to um, him being a true prophet? It's very obvious. This question is very obvious. Because if somebody is lying, uh, then um, he would be lying about, uh, about, uh, about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Then he said, um, Okay. فَقَدْ أَعْرِفُ أَنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيَذَرَ الْكَذِبَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكْذِبَ عَلَى اللَّهِ Look at his... Uh, logical conclusion he reaches. He says that I knew that it's not possible uh, that he will leave lying about matters of people and then he will lie about the matter of Allah. Right? So how is it possible? Is it it's difficult for you to see that you can open the light in the back I told you. You can see it? Okay. I, mean, I said in the back but it's okay. He said that is um How is it possible that when it comes to lying about, uh, about people's matters, he's not going to lie? When it comes about Allah, he's going to lie. Because which lie is greater? The lie against Allah is greater. So this person, mashallah, um, he's not lying about human affairs, worldly affairs. Why would he lie about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So a lying, any type of lie is a major sin. But lying about matters of deen is even worse of a sin. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. Because depending on how great an individual is, and if you attribute a lie to that individual, that is how great the crime will be. So if somebody um, at work um, or in the family situation within our relations, uh, if somebody attributes a lie to us and says that in a party, in a family gathering, or at a workplace, that so-and-so said such, such a such thing, and we never said that, then, and he's creating fitna, you know, how much anger that would cause us. We would be so angry. How dare you say something? You uh, attributed this lie to me. Even though at the end of the day, who are we? We are just a single human being. We do not have any particular status in the ummah, nor do our actions have any legislative status that they are a dalil and hujjah for people to follow. We're just a random human person, human being. Ummati of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But it will make us very 
upset. How did you attribute this to me? But when we attribute something to Rasulullah then we are committing a very major crime. Because it's not just that we're saying uh, Muhammad said so. Like Zaid said this, Amr said this, Bakr said this when they never did. We are saying Muhammad said it. So now we are creating a hadith, a fake hadith, which the Prophet never said. And now we are making that as a dalil and a hujjah and an evidence for the rest of the ummah ila qiyamah to follow. So that is how enormous that crime is. That's why the Prophet said that man muta'amidan, whoever knowingly attributes a lie to me, uh, let him prepare his abode in the fire of Jahannam. Such a severe warning. So lying about Allah, lying about the deen is even worse of a crime than lying about human matters. And lying about human matters, it's also definitely a crime. So that's why he's saying when he is leaving the minor sin, why would he be committing the major one? Is that clear? Why would he leave lying about people's matters and then he goes ahead and lies against Allah? That doesn't make sense. Then he said, um, I had asked you, I had asked you, are the noble people following him or are the weak ones? You had mentioned that the weak people are following him. And every messenger who comes, the initial people who follow him, generally are the weak ones. We talked about Ammar bin Yasir and Bilal Habshi, Khabbab bin Arad. Are they uh, generally, not everyone, because Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman were, and Ali, they were from the Ashraf as well. So they are, some of them were from the uh, higher lineage and leaders of the, of the Quraysh, but the majority were from the um, the, the oppressed and the slaves and the weak and the poor. Why so? Because the rich are holding on to their power. They do not want a change in the status quo. I had asked you, are they increasing in number or decreasing? You had mentioned, O Abu Sufyan, you responded, they are increasing in number. Likewise. This is, everything is checking off. Correct, correct. Sign of Nubuah. Alamatul Nubuah. Amrul Iman. This is exactly how the matter of Iman is. Hatta yatimma. It increases, increases, increases until it reaches full completion. Wasa'altuka. I had asked you, Ayartaddu ahadun sakhtatan lidinihi. Is there anyone who has become an apostate, become a murtad, uh, out of anger and dislike? He does not like the deen anymore. Ba'da an yadkhula fihi. After he entered into the deen. So this is a qayd ihtirazi. This is this sakhtatan means it's, it is a restrictive clause. There are individuals who may have left the deen, but not out of anger, uh, or because they had uh, they found the belief to be incorrect. There are some people who did that and they planned it. So, like the Yehud uh, in Medina, they came up with different ideas of how to cause confusion to the Arabs, meaning the Osin, the Khazraj, the Ansaris. Sahaba, as well as Muhajirun were Arab, the Quraysh. So, uh, different, different plots they came up with. All of those are outlined in Surah Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran. The Yehud and the Nasara. Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah mentions about the Yehud, Maghdubi alayhim. And Surah Al-Imran, Allah talks about the Nasara, the Dallin. So, one of the plots they came up with in one day, وَقَالَ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ The group of the 
Yehud, they said, you know what, let's do this. Uh, it's, it's crazy how much time they put, like they had like think tanks sitting together, plotting, coming up with different ideas. How do we destroy the deen? So they're coming up with very ingenious ideas. The idea is ingenious, but application is absolutely in the most incorrect manner possible, right? So they come up, they came up with the idea, they said, How about this? Wow. Let us all, or a group of us who have been selected for this mission, what are we going to do? We're going to all go to Rasulullah in the Masjid of the Nabawi. And we are going to give our hands into his hands. Not to Na'udhu Billah assassinate or hurt him. That was another, there was a whole bunch of those plots too. But this time they're saying, In the morning, let us all go in a group and take the shahada. And we are all going to say, we believe. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah. In the morning, so this will give an impression to the people that that because they had the inferiority complex. You are the ahlul kitab, the people of the book you read and you write. We are the ummiyun. Ummi. What's the ummi? The the one from the mother. Meaning the way when the mother delivered the baby, how did he? How was he delivered? Akhrajukum min butuni ummahatikum la taalamuna. Shay'a. You didn't know anything when you were born. So Ummi Yuan is still in the natural state. Right. He didn't learn. He didn't, because no one is born with a degree, as they say, right? So that's why the one who is unlettered or illiterate is known as Ummi Yuan. The Ya is of Nisbah. Like Makki Yuan from Makkah, Madani Yuan from Medina, and Ummi Yuan from the mother. So he said, We are the Nahnu Ummatun Ummiyah. We are the unlettered people. And these are the people who read and write, wow, they have knowledge of the scriptures of the past. So they, had, they looked up to them. So they're going to say, subhanAllah, wow, all the, the Yehudi rahibs, the, the monks and the rabbis, they accepted Islam. So this must be the religion of the truth. So they're going to become very happy and confident. In the morning. Then you quote-unquote start studying the deen. But by, by night time, let us all declare that we have become apostates murtad why then uh, the these ummi people they'll say wow these are the people of the book they're knowledgeable intelligent people they uh, they're not biased they are what seeking the truth they thought it was the truth so they are not rejecting the truth they're looking for the truth and as honest sincere genuine seekers of the truth when they thought it was the truth they accepted it but after opening it and studying it and finding out what's happening inside they realize wow this is so false this is wrong it's in the quran this story this is the ayah of the quran quoting right the end of the third juice right. then at the end of the day become kafir why are you going to do this whole drama so that the, the, the Arab believers, they will say, oh, there must be something wrong here. When they found out, they left. So they were murtas like that. You know, they're not, they're not the real murtad even. They're fake murtad because their acceptance of Islam was fake, so the murtad is fake. <laughs> There's some very, very scary incidents of, uh, of murtads though. It's very scary because... Um, they, if they died on Iman, they could have been a Sahabi. They're like so close, they accepted Islam, they're with Rasulullah and then they leave Islam. Very terrifying stories. One of them was sent to collect zakat. Can you believe it? He was a Sahabi. At that point he was. He is not considered a Sahabi if he becomes murtad. We talked about this before. 
Right? And somebody say, oh my God, how can a Sahabi a Murtad? No, the definition of a Sahabi is the one who saw Rasulullah accepted Islam and died on Islam. So he's not a Sahabi, he's a Murtad. But he was a, apparently a believer and he was sent to go collect zakat. But when he was collecting zakat money, he was like, oh my God, I had to take all this money and give it back. So, subhanAllah, he got, he, that the love of the wealth became uh, so strong, subhanAllah, that he said that, you know, uh, so he had uh, some person with him. Now, who's going to be reporting it back? So he, he killed him off first, murder. Then he took all the money, he stole it, and went back. Now what's going to happen? Can he go back? Now after he committed murder and he committed theft? This is called ghulul, stealing from the public treasury. He will, this is a very major crime. Just like we talked about lying is a major crime, but lying against Allah and his Rasul is even worse. So stealing is bad, but stealing from Baytul Mal is even worse. It's a specific term. Stealing is normally saraqa to steal, but ghulul is a, it has its own word. Ghulul means stealing from the public wealth. So he committed ghulul and qatal and everything. So then he's like, oh my God, I can't show my face. Now when he can't show his face, then he says, fine, then I might as well give it up, everything. When he, gives up, when he comes to murtad, then he left. Now he's so disgusted, na'udhu billah, that he started composing poems attacking Rasulullah Then he hired slave girls and he made them sing those songs non-stop, attacking Nabi Sallallahu So that is how Mahroom Badbakh Shaqi, he became and he died like that. And you know, um, that's why they say there's two types of tests, fitnat al-shubuhat and shahawat, the test of doubts and desires. Most of the murtadin apostates that are taking place in America, ex-Muslims, very few of them intellectually even have the capacity to fall into the shubuhat and doubts. They don't really understand the objections of the atheists, much less believe in them. Actually what happens is the shahawat, they commit so many sins, they commit zina, fulan, 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 then they have the inner consciousness, they're like, oh my God, he's always feeling bad and guilty, guilty, oh why did haram, why did haram, then they say, forget it, why should I lead this double life? I want to get rid of the guilt. So one way of getting rid of the guilt is by making tawbah. The one who repents from a sin is like the one who never committed it. But instead of taking that route, they say, forget, you know, I'm feeling guilty because of Islam. So how about if I get rid of Islam, then I don't have to be guilty. So they end up becoming murtad because of the sins, the shahawad, rather than shubuhat. This is what happened. Anyway, so there was no one Fadakarta Allah, you said no one. The reason we, this whole discussion is in the, com, uh, in the shuruhat is because, see, Abu Sufyan, we talked about this, later to become radiallahu anhu, was in a position where he's supposed to say negative things because he's the leader of the opposition. And here, there were a few murtads. Uh, we talked about his own son-in-law. Remember, we talked about his son-in-law who became a murtad in Habasha? Hmm? Yes. Abu bin Jahash and his daughter, then she, she ended up marrying Rasulullah. So, uh, why didn't he mention those murtad cases? Because it says here, the question was, did anyone become murtad? Sakhtatan lidini. And all of these murtads, they did not become murtad out of disbelief in Islam or anger against the teaching of Islam. They had their own specific ob- objectives and motives and reasons for that. وَكَذَلِكَ iman. Then the king says, look, this is how iman is. Every time there's a question, there's a refrain, there's a recurring theme. وَكَذَلِكَ 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 What does كَذَلِكَ mean? Likewise. So, وَكَذَلِكَ الْإِيمَانُ This is how Iman is. 
hina tukhalitu bashashatuhu alqulub when it reaches the the heart in the depth of the heart then nothing can take it out so subhanallah nothing can remove it the iman when it enters the heart no matter how much torture no matter how many difficulties a person have to face as we see in the examples of the sahaba you pick up a sahaba there could be volumes just on this one statement here uh, one thing that is worth noting is that when they were tested in trials right um, it is possible that a person ends up saying the kalima of kufr with the tongue but that person will still be considered a mu'min in a different context I had covered this um, we are talking about last time I mentioned this sitting here I recall is in the abortion seminar and we talked about is it permissible to kill someone to save someone's life so if there is a baby you know that is near delivery the question is is it permissible to kill that baby the heart is beating and it's about to be born final trimester or final weeks final days you literally kill it to save the life of the mother and the ikhtilaf of the fuqaha about that in that discussion we talked about ikrah so when somebody puts a gun to someone's head they're compelling them there's three scenarios one scenario you better do exactly what he tells you otherwise you're sinful the other scenario is you better not do what he tells you otherwise you're sinful and the third scenario is the middle one you have the choice if you end up dying you're a shaheed if you end up doing what he tells you you're forgiven you got it three scenarios so if somebody puts a gun to someone's head this is called ikrah he's a mukri he's compelling and the victim is the mukrah being compelled and he tells him that you drink wine or eat wine khamar khinzir something haram which doesn't hurt anyone else but it's sinful because it's prohibited so he better do that and if he dies he's committed a sin he puts the gun to his head and said I'll blow your brains out unless you eat this or drink this so he must comply the other scenario is if he puts a gun to your head and says I will kill you unless you kill someone else so can he say oh I'm sorry I have to kill you but if I don't kill you I'll be killed can he do that no there's the opposite extreme he has no right to do that what was he do he can try to defend himself obviously but if he cannot then I mean it's, it's, uh, we're not saying it lightly we're not saying oh you must die but literally that's the test for you everyone has different tests in their life yeah it is a difficult test and it's, uh, it's not an enviable position to be in we don't hope that for anyone however the person in that situation he cannot justify killing somebody because I will get killed and this is not something theoretical this happens all the time today everywhere where when the government is telling the soldiers go and you know shoot protesters or unarmed civilians or go kill people in the village and if you don't you're going to get court-martialed and you'll be in subordination it is a crime and you could be court-martialed and killed so because my general tells me to kill innocent people can I kill innocent people you cannot okay and then the third scenario is where you have an option this is where Iman comes in. if there is at the force of the gunpoint or the sword say the kalima of kufr or uh, die so the person has a choice if he dies that's azima high level reward shaheed and if he says the kalima of kufr but iman is in the heart then his iman is still valid and accepted this happened with respect to one family that was all of the members of the family father mother and son were being tortured father was Yasir the mother was Sumayya and the son was Ammar 
radiyallahu anhum ajma'in Nabi sallallahu would pass by them and say sabran ya al-jannah be patient you will receive your full reward in jannah the first one who became shaheed say kalima kufr or die she said i would prefer to die was sumayya radiyallahu anha she's not the first woman shaheed she's the first shaheed ala al-italaq meaning between men and women overall first shaheed just like khadija radiyallahu anha is not the first woman who accepted islam she's the first ummati so the first shaheed was also a woman sumayya then the second one was the husband yasir Third one was a boy. He, he, he said the kalima of kufr. So people thought he became a murtad. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah, giving the excuse on his behalf and saying he's not a murtad. He's not an apostate. He was compelled and his heart is filled with iman. So, this is, so when a person accepts Islam and iman enters his heart, then even if he's compelled, if he says the kalima of kufr, he will still remain a a Muslim. Then he says, oh, hal I asked you, does he uh, break any promises? Does he yagdiru, uh, meaning does he deceive? Does he betray? Ghadar. Ghaddari, right? Fadakarta Allah, you said no. He has never. Likewise, all the prophets, they never uh, violate their pledges and their treaties. I had asked you, what does he command you to do? What does he command you to do? فَذَكَرْتَ You mentioned, You said he commands you to worship one Allah. Obviously, that's the first thing the Anbiya do. Do not assign any partner onto him. And he prevents you from worshipping the idols. This is what all the Anbiya did. This is the comment, the Tawheed. La ilaha illallah. And this, this part of the Kalima is the common denominator, the Mushtarak. And the second part changes. La ilaha illallah, Adamu Khalifatullah. Or La ilaha illallah, Nuh Najihullah. La ilaha illallah, Ibrahim Khadidullah. La ilaha illallah, Musa Kareemullah. La ilaha illallah, Isa Ruhullah. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Ismailu Zabihullah. Whatever. All the second part changes. The first part is the same. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran that. Every prophet that he mentions, we sent to Ad, uh, their brother Hud alayhi salam. He said, Worship Allah. Do not worship false gods. To Thamud, we sent their brother Salih. Worship Allah. To the city of Madinah, we sent Shu'ib. So this is common. وَيَأْمُرُكُمْ بِالصَّلَاةِ He commands you to salah, وَالصِّدْقِ To speak the truth, وَالْعَفَافِ To be chaste. فَإِنْ كَانَ مَا تَقُولُ حَقًّا Now he says, if what you are saying is the truth. Right? If what you are saying is the truth. So this is always important to qualify the statement. Because he can't say, I believe in the Prophet uh, right away. Um, because what if there's some plot, all of these facts are incorrect. So it's always qualified. If what you are saying is true. So this is one of the etiquettes in usul of ifta, of writing a fatwa. Whenever a mufti writes a fatwa, for example, if they say that, oh, Zaid passed away and he has so many, so many uh, relatives, huh? what are the shares? But what happened is that maybe there's one brother, you know, who just moved somewhere, like random. He lives in Brazil. He moved to the Amazon jungle to study the native Indians and the indigenous people there. He's doing his PhD about that. He's lost in the Amazon. You didn't mention his name. 
So you just give the names of the people who are here, who are known, you can't escape from them, they have social security numbers, they have addresses, they're citizens here. So you mention their names and then you don't mention the name of the other person who's in the other country. And you ask for the mirath and the division of the inheritance. So the mufti will write the fatwa and he'll say, so and so, all these are the shares, this is how much percentage. And then when the brother comes back from finishing his PhD on the, uh, uh, you know, the, the indigenous population of the Amazon, he escapes, comes out somehow. Then when he says, where's my share? You'll say, well, the mufti, he, he, he gave all the shares. I don't see any name, your share for you. So that's why whenever the fatwa is given, it's always basihate sihate sawal. So that's the basharte sihate sawal. On the condition that the question you're asking is complete and correct and accurate, then the shares are as follows. Right? Or for example, you say so and so did such and such thing or said such and such statement. A woman comes and says, my husband said, Tala, 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 so many things. Maybe he never said it. And then you just say, oh, the nikah of Zayd and Zainab is dissolved. But Zayd didn't say anything to Zainab. Zainab was lying. That's why you'll say, if what Zainab is claiming that Zayd said is true, and Zayd actually said all these words to Zainab, then the nikah is broken. But if, you don't have to say this, but what it means is, if Zainab is lying, Falsely accusing Zayd of saying the statements that Zayd never said, then there is no talaq. So you have to be careful of your words. That's what he says here. Walau, he says, If everything that you said is actually true, then he will become the ruler in the king and his dominion kingdom, his khilafa that will come after him, will cover and reach and include the place where my two feet are standing now. Meaning, his, his um, Islam will come all the way till here. And beyond here. Yani, um, as a king, I, I, I'm in control of my kingdom and I may have colonies and other territories, but guess what? Right where I'm standing, this also will become under his dominion. وَقَدْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ خَارِجٍ And I knew that he was going to be appearing but Lam Akun Minkum, but I never imagined he's amongst you. Because we know that uh, at that time the cultured people were the Persians, the Fars, they had their ajib convoluted culture, but they were considered cultured. Then they had the these people, the Christians, the, the Romans, Eastern Roman Empire. But the Arabs were looked down upon, Jahil people. They did not even want to rule them. It's not like they left the whole Arabian Peninsula, forget those people. They actually didn't just ignore it, they skipped over them because they ruled Yemen. Yemen, they were interested in Yemen and Yemen was a, a part of the Persian Empire. So, but they, they, they said it's a waste of time to rule over the Arabs. And he said, he comes from amongst you. He said, if I knew that I could safely escape from here, and I could go and visit him, then I would undergo the difficulties of traveling to meet him. The Jashama means I will undergo the difficulties and hardship to go and meet him. And what, what, why, why would I go there? To attack him? To kill him? To, no. Why would I go there? If I was with him, if I got a chance to meet him, I would wash his feet. Who said this? 
Heracles said this. This is where the whole concept comes about, you know, what is the definition of Iman? The definition, definition of Iman according to Karamiya is just Ma'rifah to know. But that is not a complete definition. Ma'rifah knowing it doesn't mean Iman. It's Tasdiq is Iman. And Iqrar Billisan to testify with the tongue. And Amal Bil Arkan to act with the body. If a person just knows the truth, it doesn't mean he has Iman. Because uh, uh, Abu Jahal and Abu Lahab, they knew he was truthful. And Ma'rifa, even the Yehud knew, they recognize him the way a father recognizes his own son. They recognize that, hey, this is the same prophet that we have the prophecies about him. And there are so many examples of that. There was a young uh, Yehudi Jew, who, Jewish young man who used to come. Sayyidat Rasulullah in his majlis and he got very sick. Nabi went to make his ayada, went to visit the Yehudi, sick boy. And he was in his bed and he was uh, in his young boy contracted some sickness that he was dying. And his father was sitting next to him reading the Torah. So Rasulullah went to visit him and then he asked the, the father. He said, Musa. I ask you in the name of that Allah who revealed the original Torah and Musa, the one that you are holding the corrupted form of it in your own hands right now. Musa. I ask you in the name of Allah who revealed the Torah and Musa, do you not find my mention in the book in your hand? And then he said, no. Then the son who was dying, he raised his head and said, my father is lying. You are mentioned there. And then he said, Ashhadu wa la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah. Shortly afterward, he passed away. When Rasulullah came out, his face was shining. And Alhamdulillahilladhi. All praise and thanks to Allah who has saved another soul from the fire of Jahannam. So, knowing the truth, who taught the boy? The father taught the boy. So the boy learned from the father. One accepted it, one did not. Knowing the truth, ma'rifatul haqq is not tasdiq bil. Tasdiq means you believe, you testify, and you practice accordingly. Just like um, on the opposite side, like Toba. What is Toba? Toba means a person has nadama, regret, and then he leaves it in the present, and what does he do? Makes intention never to repeat in the future, right? The three past, present, future. So there's sincere nadama over the past, there's leaving the sin in the present, and there is strong resolution never to return to it in the future. So if a person just has regret about the sin, he feels sad about it. Doesn't mean his sin is forgiven. An example of that is Rasulullah said about Qabil, he has a share of every murder till the Yawm al Qiyamah. Qabil who killed? Habil. Tell them the story. Allah is commanding Rasulullah make tilawah to them. Naba ibn Adam, the story of the two sons of Adam. It's Qurban, and this long story. But at the end of it, he kills his brother. Qabil kills Habil. That, that's his crime. But how does he prove our point? It's because he, after he killed the, uh, his brother and Habil's dead body, the first murder victim ever was lying there. Now he's thinking what to do. Allah sent the ghurab, crows. Um, and the one crow fought with the other crow. One crow killed the other crow. And then after the, the one ki- crow killed the other crow, then with his beak he لِيُوَرِيَهُ كَيْفَ يُوَارِي أَخِي he dug with his beak and made a little grave. And then he pushed the murdered victim um, crow into the grave and he buried it. You know this is in the Quran, the story. I'm not sure. Some of you may know it. 
if you read the tarjuma okay tafsir then he says qali ya ghaylata ajastu an akuna misla hadha al ghurab wa ari sawata akhi he said oh i wish i could i should be follow this crow look this crow he buried his the victim i should also bury my brother fa asbaha minan nadimin then he became regretful so he had nadama he had regret but if he if that was sufficient why did rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam say he has a share in the crime of every murder ila yawm al qiyamah he had regret he was just sad oh you commit a sin and then you're sad about it that's not sufficient right that's just step one step one is of no value until you have step two and three as well with it it's not even one third toba it's like it doesn't have any value until it's 100% like Iman, if someone says, I believe in one third of the Quran, you might as well believe in zero. If you believe in 99% of the Quran, you might as well believe in zero. Same thing. You must believe in what? 100%. So, why we mention this? Oh, yeah, he knew it, he recognized it, but recognition is not sufficient. Allah Akbar. You know, this entire uh, thing is happening before he even reads the letter. Oh my God, we were supposed to finish this hadith today. I guess another session. Sorry about that. Then, uh, then he invited and said, Hey, bring me the mess- uh, letter of Rasulullah Sallallahu The one that Dihya Kalbi had brought to the governor of Busra. We talked about Basra and Busra. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, did he come to Busra? He came twice. Remember? One when he was 12, one when he was 25. 12 with Abu Talib and 25 when Khadija al-Kubra anha was sending her slave to check him out for the investigation for marriage. Yeah, right. So there are two times Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came to Sham Qabla Nabuwa and two times Ba'd al-Nabuwa. Which two times after Nabuwa? Uh, you, you know it. Miraj, very good. Yeah, that's a unique journey. Isra. Miraj was the, going up to the heavens. Isra and Miraj. Isra is a night journey. So that was a very, very rapid one. That was like supersonic. So from Nabi uh, did that journey. And then the other one, Tabuk. Right, the battle of Tabuk. So two times Qabla Nabuwa, two times Ba'da Nabuwa, four times Nabi visited Sham. So he came, anyway, so he comes فَدَفَعَهُ إِلَى هِرَقَّلْ Now he finally gives the letter to Hiraqqal فَقَرَأَهُ Then he reads it. Um, when we talked about Hiraqqal, there is a whole debate, is he a Muslim or not? Some people like Ibn Abdul Mariki, Ibn Abdul Bar, he mentioned he became a prophet, uh, he became a uh, Muslim, but that is very weak. All the evidence suggests that he, eventually he did not. Because in the battle of Mu'tah, he fought against Rasulullah In the battle of Tabuk, he brought his army. He sent his army, then he took it back. Then, um, in the Khilafat of Umar, he fought as well. So therefore, the final verdict is, he was not a Muslim. He gave it up. Now, when he brings the letter, فقرأ, he reads it, فَإِذَا فِيهِ It's what you see in there, بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ It starts with بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ So this is how the letter is supposed to begin. In fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Kullu amrin thibalin lam yubda bi ismillah fawa aqta'a. Every important matter that does not start with the name of Allah, it is incomplete. And every teacher and every book and every year of the Alam course, when they started, every time they mentioned the exact same hadith. And rightfully so, that's why 
people like me who hardly pay attention or not so intelligent, we also memorize this hadith because we hear it every year in every book. The teacher opens the book and says, "Kullu amrin dhibalin lam yubda bismillah, fau akta." And "Kullu amrin dhibalin lam yubda bihamdillah, fau akta." And how you make tatbiq? There are two narrations. Every important matter that does not start with the name of Allah is incomplete. Every important matter that does not start with alhamdulillah is incomplete. And when you do both, you start with bismillah first, then alhamdulillah iqdan bil kalamillah, like the Quran starts. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Then alhamdulillah ar-Rahim. We have a letter in the Quran, and that letter of is a letter of a king. And that letter also starts with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. That letter is in Surah An-Naml, and that is a letter from Sulaiman alayhisalam to Bilqis, the queen of uh, of Saba, of Yemen area. So that letter, in this letter, uh, the resemblance that they both started with Bismillah, and after that they're very different. That letter is Uslub al-Hakim. This letter is Uslub al-Hakim. They're two styles. One is the style of the Hakim, the ruler, the king. You know, he doesn't mess around. He's straight, he's direct, he doesn't really, um, you know, he doesn't really show any humbleness that does not befit a king. And then there's Uslub of Hakim, the wise one who with wisdom, with wisdom he invites you. So if you look at the letter of Sulaiman this is the one place where Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is in the surah, in the middle of the surah, in Surah An-Namal, when the leader of his military intelligence unit, uh, the espionage division, Hudhud, she takes the, the bird, right? She, she, that was her job, to go and spy. So she comes back and then there's a long, beautiful story referred to Surah An-Namal. One part of the story is he gives the letter. And this is how the letter goes. إِنَّهُ مِن سُلَيْمَانِ وَإِنَّهُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ أَلَّا تَعَلُوا عَلَيَّ وَأْتُونِي مُسْلِمِينَ End of the letter. Alright, so it goes, إِنَّهُ مِن سُلَيْمَانِ This letter is from Sulaiman. So you have to identify who you are. This is the adab and etiquette of writing letters. That there are many hadiths. There's like a whole chapter on this in Adab al-Mufrad. Imam Bukhari, he wrote the Sahih Bukhari. He also wrote another book. He wrote many books. Another book he wrote is Al-Adab al-Mufrad, a book of etiquettes. In the book of etiquettes, there's a whole chapter on how to write letters. And there are many adab and etiquettes there. Some of them are still found and some of them are opposite of what we have today. Today, nobody writes letters anymore, first of all, right? SubhanAllah. That's another view, you know. Uh, yeah, people used to write letters. It's, uh, it's just mostly messages, WhatsApp. Like the closest thing to a letter is an email, but the email also is, doesn't, have, uh, doesn't have the effect of a letter in many different ways. It may not be as romantic as a letter. Huh? <laughs> Someone's remembering their, the letters of love they received maybe. Anyway, so it doesn't have that effect, right? One of the things about when you write a letter in English, is that you write dear so-and-so, and then you write the whole body, and then where do you write your name? At the end, sincerely, yours forever, whatever. <laughs> At the end, you write your name. So the Mursil, the one who's writing the letter, his name is where? He or she, her name or his name is? <laughs> At the end. Whereas Islamically, what we know is that, the adab we learn is that you're supposed to write the Mursil, the meaning the writer of the letter, his name in the front, in the beginning. And um, subhanAllah, there are many different commentaries of this. Mufti Taqi Uthmani uh, I don't have his commentary here, but I was looking at it and he was, and he was he going off on this point. He said, I receive letters, sometimes four or five, six pages. And um, 
I guess the person, you know, his, his khadim, his secretary, reads the letters to them. When we, just now, a few weeks ago, we met Hadrat in Medina to Manawara, and he was telling us as well that I get, we went to visit him in Medina to Manawara, so he was saying, I get uh, uh, letters, you know, like huge stack of letters every day from all his mutaliqeen, muridin, people around the world. Um, so I, I'm sure if he's reading it, he could turn around at the end and see whose it is. But when the person is reading it, he doesn't want to interrupt him. So he says, it's so much, he, he writes uh, in his commentary, which is basically his uh, class instruction of Sahih Bukhari, that is called Amali. He, it was, he is speaking and it's a dictation where the students, they wrote down his words as he's explaining the dars, and that was printed as a commentary. So it's a different style. If he's writing a book, then he's going to stick to the topic and he's going to be very organized. And if he's just speaking like I'm speaking, you see how unorganized I am? Right? So that's, <laughs> that's how many of the speakers are when they're just teaching, talking to students. So they go on different tangents. So this is one place where he went on a tangent in his, um, in his dars. See, there are books that he himself wrote, like Takmila Fathul Mulhim, Shara Sahih Muslim. So that's a commentary of Sahih Muslim. He doesn't go on crazy tangents. He's writing it. This is, he's just speaking it in class, and if somebody is recording it, then they take the recording and they transcribe it, they write it down. You understand? That's what it is. It's, um, so he says that somebody's reading a letter and they're going on and on talking about the whole story. This has happened in my life and everything. And I'm wondering, like, who is this person? Who is this person? Who is this person? And so much zahni tashweesh hoti mujhe. He says a lot of mental torture. Then at the end, they're like, min fulan, oh, so and so. Then I'm like, oh, now I have to go back, re-understand everything. Then he says, subhanallah, look at our deen. It protects us from all of that mental agony by teaching us the etiquette that you're supposed to identify who writes the letter right in the beginning. Not at the end, sincerely yours, uh, respectfully submitted or whatever. At the end, and then you write your name. Right? SubhanAllah. So Nabi Sallallahu SubhanAllah is Rahmatul Lil Alameen. Like any level of mental anguish that any Ummati could have, he did not tolerate it. Like somebody knocks on the door, and then they knock. That's a good thing because Allah Ta'ala says to knock, don't just enter. What is it? Say salam and knock. So the guy knocks. The Sahabi, may Allah reward him. He knocked. Then, but then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, who's, who's there? He said, Ana, it's me. Oh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam corrected him, got upset. He said, Ana, Ana. He repeated it. Why is Ana Ana me me? Who's me? Because there is a how much is it a severe torture? Like, will it be considered classified as torture under Geneva Conventions? Will it be classified under torture? No, it won't be. Right? It's not torture, but there is a little bit of tension where you have to think that voice was Ana. Who does it sound like? Perhaps it's Zayd or is it Amr or is it Bakr? Which one is it? That little amount of tension, Nabi Sallallahu saying, why are you giving that to people? Be clear. Say, Ana Fulan Ibn Fulan, Min Qabidati Fulan, Maulud Fulan. Right? Give your whole name and Nasab. So, uh, you don't have to give the Nasab, right? You just have to give your name. So, with the, with the name and the, and the voice together, you should be able to figure you out. So, over here, so, uh, what did Suleiman Islam say? Innahu min Suleimana wa innahu. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim When you're in Taravi, you hear that somebody will say, Oh, he's starting a new surah. He's not starting a 
new surah. This is where Bismillahirrahmanirrahim comes in the middle of the surah. How many times in the Quran? Only one time. He says, Inna min Suleiman. This letter is from Suleiman. So he identified who, he, who is the sender. When now Bismillahirrahmanirrahim? Then he just says one thing. Allah ta'ala Don't be arrogant. Wa atuni muslimin. Come to me in submission. So this is a letter from Suleiman alayhi salam to Bilqis. This is called Uslub al-Hakim. The style of a Hakim. And then there's Uslub al-Hakim. The one who is wise. Now Hakim and Hakim. I mean, there, you could have said Uslub al-Sultan or Uslub al-Malik. There are many other words. But again, I always remind the students. The Arabs like things to rhyme. So if they have Hakim, the wise one, then they want to make the other one Hakim. Hakim and Hakim. So Hakim is the ruler and the Hakim is the wise. The wise one, he shows here. He says, Min Muhammadin from Muhammad. So he's also identifying who the letter is coming from. Like he said, Min Suleiman, he says, Min Muhammad. Then he says, Abdullah, Rasuli, the slave of Allah and his messenger. From Muhammad, Abdullah, the slave of Allah and his messenger. Ilah Hiraqal, to Hiraqal. Azim Rum, who is the great leader of the Romans. So, Salamun ala manittaba al huda. Peace be on the one who. Adopts the path of guidance. Amma ba'd. And moving forward. Islam. I'm not going to finish this. If you're scared, like, this is going too long, I will end it now. I'm just, let's translate the letter. I invite you with the invitation of Islam. Aslim taslam. Accept Islam and you will be safe. Safe here, safe in Yom Al Qiyamah. You will take Allah Allah will give you double the reward. But But if you turn your back, then the sin of all of the community and your public will all be upon you for not accepting the truth. Then he quoted the ayah, Ya Ahl al-Kitab, O the people of the book. He didn't say, Ya Qatarat al-Anbiya. Ya Ahl al-Kitab, O the people of the book. Ta'ala, come! Ila karimatin, to such a statement. Sawa'in baynana wa baynakum, which is same, and we agree, between us and you. Common statement. Allah na'abuda illallah. We do not worship anyone besides one Allah. Wala nushriku bihi shay'an. We do not ascribe any partners unto him. Wala yittakhida ba'duna ba'dun arbaban min dunillah. And some of us, we do not take others amongst us as gods besides Allah. Fa'in tawallaw, if they still turn their backs, faqulu, then you declare, ishhadu, you be witness, bi anna muslimun, that we are true submitters to Allah. Then Abu Sufyan said, Okay, the story continues. Now this letter of Rasulullah just like there's tafsir of the ayat of the Quran, there, there's tafsir of this letter. Uh, practically, this, the, just this letter, just the words of the letter, it could be one entire session next time. Because um, each word, we, we, like we talked about Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, right? Starting, we didn't even talk about the difference between Rahman and Rahim or all of that. Maybe we can skip that for tafsir. But, like, parts of the letter, why, why he mentioned bin Muhammadin, we covered that, right? You're supposed to mention the, who writes the letter first. The why he said Abdullah and why he said Rasulihi and what the relationship between these words. And why he said Adim Rum, why didn't he say Malik Rum? Some people say, hey, he was the king. He didn't call him a king. Others say that, why did he even give him the title of a great? And then how did he say salam? Why didn't he say assalamu alaikum? Why did he say salam on alaman al huda? And where does this play a role? What did Musa salam say to Fir'aun in Surah Taha? All of these points are, inshallah, 
uh, to uh, remind us and, and um, to inshallah give us the encouragement to come back for the next session. So in the next session, we will pick it up straight from the letter. And we will not go back. I'll start, inshallah, if Allah gives me tawfiq, you tawfiq, all of us tawfiq to come back, we'll start right from the beginning of this letter and take it from there. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of our sitting here in this majlis where we are going over the words of Rasulullah Further increase our yaqeen in, in, in the truthfulness of his message and that he was the Rasul of Allah. And once we believe that and that yaqeen becomes strong, then everything follows afterwards, you know. You know, there, uh, we were talking with one scholar in our recent trip to Turkey, Sheikh, Sheikh Hamza Karmali from Basira Foundation, who teaches Aqidah. And he was saying that, you know, there's so much emphasis on uh, negating, you know, uh, Jewish faith and proving it's incorrect, or the Christian faith, or the Hindu faith, or this, as false religions. Or within Islam, oh, this is what's wrong with feminism and with the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ and, and, you know, agenda or this agenda or that agenda. He said, you can take a positive approach. Let's prove the haqqaniyat of Islam. Make ihqaq wal haqq. And then automatically, ibtal al-batil will happen. So once we understand that uh, Muhammad bin Abdullah is the messenger of Allah, and this type of discussion helps further increase that yaqeen, and we believe that subhanallah, he is the mukhbiru sadiq, he is the truthful messenger, and he is giving us the accurate report of what he saw, and what he heard, and what Allah revealed unto him. And after you believe that, then you follow the, the entirety of his message. And your eyes closed, you don't have to have this whole why and this and why that at that point. Because the first foundation is we believe in him. Uh, and he is an accurate reporter of what happened, and he did not make any khiyana in the message. So let's prove the risala, prophethood of Rasulullah And after the prophethood is established, then everything automatically comes in place. Why you believe in this? The truthful messenger told us so. How do you know the truthful messenger? Okay, let's prove that. Logically, we can prove that. Once we prove that, then you're good to go. Any single question of Aqidah is The truthful, trustworthy messenger has narrated this to us. That's why we believe it. May Allah Ta'ala grant us that level of Iman. Wa akhru da'wana alhamdulillah.